Last week, we looked at Abraham, and as we looked at him and his story, we were looking at what faith really looks like, the kind of faith that we're supposed to have in God, the kind of faith that God wants us to have in him, a faith that trusts him no matter what. And the week before that, we see that it's a faith that trusts him even whenever things just don't look right at all and we don't understand. We still trust that his way is the best way. And uh, last week we saw that Abraham was called to leave his country, to leave his people, to leave his father's household, and to go to a land that God was going to show him. And Abraham went. He went. That is faith. Because he believed and because he trusted that God had the best in store for him, no matter what he was familiar with, no matter what he was comfortable with, no matter what uh, was uh, uh, something that he was just really used to, what God wanted was more important to him because he knew God had his back. He knew that God had the best in store for him, no matter how bad it might look or how uncomfortable things might be. And so today in this moment in Jesus' life that we've looked at as we've heard this gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter and the 31st through the 35th verses, we see Jesus demonstrating this sort of faith as well. This sort of faith where we see him leaving and going and doing what God has called him to do. First of all, let's look at this, at this scene and we see the family has come because they're concerned about Jesus. They think Jesus has lost his mind. He's teaching and his family is on the outside of the crowd and they can't get to him because of the multitude. And so they send word through the crowd to tell Jesus to come out to where they are. His family wants him to stop his teaching, to leave the multitude and to go home with them. They think he's lost his mind and they've come to stage an intervention. They want Jesus to come home. And so they interrupt his teaching and try to get his attention. His mother Mary, or perhaps one of his brothers, tells someone at the back of the crowd to pass the word on to Jesus that they're there to see him. And this fellow tells another fellow, and just like the game of gossip, the word finally reaches to the front of the crowd, and Jesus is informed that his family is there to see him. And they want him to stop what he's doing and to come out to where they are. And the crowd sees nothing wrong with this, apparently. In that society, nothing was as important as one's family. Everything centered on the family. If Jesus' family needed him, 
the crowd fully expected Jesus to stop teaching them and go to his relatives. They should be more important to him than they were. Well, instead of stopping, what he uh, was doing at that time uh, and going to his brothers and his mother, he says simply, who is my mother or my brethren? And here's exactly the way it's, re- it's, it's worded. Answering them, he said, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Notice that whoever does the will of God, he is my mother, my brother, my sister. I've mentioned before, there's this great battle that's gone on about which is more important, faith or works. And James pretty well lines it out when he says, uh, you say that uh, uh, you can show me, he says, basically, show me uh, your faith. He said, you show me your faith without your work, without works, and I'll show you my faith with my works. And the thing is, people try to separate the two, and they cannot be separated. It's not that we can save ourselves. We cannot do that. But the saved soul desires to do the work of God. And so there will be works done. And so that's, you see, and Jesus just makes this clear. Whoever does the will of my heavenly Father, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, it's not that whoever does the will of God without believing, because let's face it, you can't do the will of God without believing. You're not going to trust it. You're not going to do it. So anyway, it winds up being faith is going to result in your living for your heavenly father. The crowd must have been shocked. His mother must have been devastated. And his brothers probably got angry. They had traveled all the way from Nazareth to come and get him. And he refuses to even stop teaching to talk with them. Now, this is a tense scene, and the Lord's reaction to his family may seem cold on the surface, but his response to them was designed to teach some very important truths. And I want us to look at those quickly. First of all, and this is so important, and I want you to check your hearts as I say these words, spiritual business takes priority over earthly business. God's business always overshadows earthly business of any sort. The Lord's family had their attention focused on earthly, fleshly concerns. Jesus had his attention focused on carrying out his father's business. And to Jesus, nothing was as important as doing the will of his heavenly father. God's people need that same heart for heavenly things. 
The Lord saved us to so we could serve him. He saved us so we could be about our father's business. He saved us so we could be adopted into the kingdom of God and a heavenly family and have the power to become children of God. And he has every right to expect us to place his will ahead of our will. And we see Jesus demonstrate this ultimately and so clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane, don't we? Where he prays, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, his heavenly father's will always took precedence over even his own will. Do you see this? I want to repeat this again. This is so important. Check your hearts as I say it. Spiritual business takes priority over earthly business. Let's say it together. Spiritual business takes priority over earthly business. Most of the time, let's face it, we spend our time preoccupied with earthly matters. We're more concerned with making a living than doing the will of God. And sometimes if uh, the will of God's getting in the way of where we want, the way we want to make our living, then we're going to choose what we want instead of what God wants. We're more concerned with our own needs than we are the needs of others and what God's expecting of us. We're more concerned about the trivial affairs of life than we are about the souls of men. This is number two point. And this is another one that so many people that name Jesus as their Lord and Savior miss. Spiritual relationships take priority over human relationships. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual relationships take priority over human relationships. Family is important, but it is not all important. There are times, just like we see in Jesus' life, when the family can come between the believer and what the Lord wants the believer to do. And that was the problem our Lord faces in these verses. The family of Jesus came to stop him from doing what his father had sent him to do. They came to hinder him and to stand between him and his heavenly father's will for his life and for his ministry. And so he had a choice. He could stay with his family or he could leave and go. Do you see that? We have to leave our family and go where God wants us to do and do what he wants us to do. It may not be physically getting up and going. It may be just a heart thing, but it, and it may be just a decision thing. But always, spiritual relationships take priority over human relationships. A lot of people are so committed uh, to the life of their family that they allow those commitments to come before their commitment to the Lord. 
For them, every sacrifice is for the family. Every commitment is for the family. Every moment is occupied by the family. Everything revolves around what's happening in the family. And yes, God has given you a family. Nothing wrong with looking out for your family. In fact, uh, God makes it clear you're supposed to be looking out for your family. You're supposed to be caring for your family. But you can't be a good family member if you're not God's first. You're never going to get it right until you put him above your family. That's the way I always begin my premarital counseling. And there's so many times that people don't put God first. They put their spouse first. They put their girlfriend or boyfriend first. And if they put God first, then they could be a lot better boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, or father, mother, or any other sort of family member. When your family business keeps you out of church, something's wrong. When your family business keeps you from serving the Lord, something's wrong. When your family business holds you back in your service to the Lord and in doing what you know he wants you to do, something is wrong. There are times when your commitment to your family and your commitment to the Lord will clash. And that's whenever you need to realize that you haven't left your family unless you consider what the Lord wants more than what your family wants. You see, every physical relationship in your life will end at death. But the spiritual relationships you have in Jesus are forever. So when your commitments to earthly relations are in conflict with your commitments to heavenly relations, your obligations to heaven are greater. And here's how Jesus put it. I'm reading from Luke, the 14th chapter, beginning with the 25th verse. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. You see, bearing a cross is a matter of leaving family, leaving country, leaving your people, leaving your household, and going with God. That's always what it's about. So instead of trying to ease the tension, Jesus turns it up a notch, doesn't he? Instead of reaching out to his earthly family, he speaks to all the members of his spiritual family. Jesus used this moment as an opportunity to teach some eternal truth to those who would receive it. And so he asked the question, who is my mother or brethren? And that's a question that's all important. The issue here is about spiritual relationships who are those people that are in a personal, spiritual relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? And that's, this, that's the question you should ask today. First of all, am I in a personal relationship with Jesus? Am I saved by his grace? 
Am I a child of God? When your life ends, nothing will matter but your relationship with Jesus. And let me tell you this, when their life ends, nothing's going to matter but their relationship with Jesus. I remember Charles Dobson stopping while he was playing basketball with his son. And this is right after Pistol Pistol Pete Maravich had died and he was a friend of the family. And he said, son, one of these days I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here anymore, but don't worry about me because I'm going to be with the Lord and it's going to be right and I'll be waiting for you. But I want you to promise me one thing. And his son said, what's that, dad? He said, you be there. You be there. And that is something that every one of us needs to be sure and pass on to our kids is our desire not only that uh, uh, that we be with the Lord, but that they be with us in heaven. That was his desire for each one of us. That's why he went for the cross. That's his desire for your kids. That's his desire for you, for you to be there. It seems simplistic in our pluralistic modern world. People all around us are telling us that there are many paths to heaven. And yet the Bible tells us there's only one way and that his name is Jesus. We need to pass that on first and foremost to our family. And you can't pass it on by compromising your values for your family. You've got to demonstrate those values for your family. You've got to show that your heavenly father is more important to you so that they'll know how important they are to you. After he asked the question, he looked around at the crowds who were hanging over his onto every one of his words and he proclaimed them to be his spiritual family. And then he spoke about what it takes for a person to be considered a member of his spiritual family. You know, we've got this, this thing everybody hears, everybody's a child of God. And yet it tells us in Scripture, to those who received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Yes, we're all God's creation. Yes, God loves every one of us. Yes, God wants every one of us to be in heaven with him, but we don't become his children till we receive his son. There's a spiritual requirement. He said that whosoever did the will of the father was a member of his spiritual family. Does this mean that people get into the Lord's spiritual family because of the things they do? As I said earlier, no. It doesn't imply that works are the basis of salvation. I think the Bible is very clear, as I've said earlier, that works cannot save the soul, but the saved soul works. Did you hear that? Works cannot save the soul, but the saved soul will do the works. There are some spiritual realities. Now, I'm sure that Jesus bore some resemblance to his mother, Mary. Certainly, he had part of her appearance and and her mannerisms. That's the way it is in all families. Children carry with them the image 
of their parents. I remember my daughter Mary, pretty little girl. They'd tell her she looked like her daddy and she'd cry. <laughs> I don't blame her. But it's amazing to me how beautiful little girls can look like their ugly old daddies. But it just works like that, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, they have their looks. They have their walk. They have their inflections. They have the way that they talk. Uh, a child that is born into a human family usually has certain marks and characteristics that label him or her as a child of their parents. Uh, as they say, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Now, the same is true of God's spiritual family. Every one of his children has certain marks, certain attributes, uh, if you will, that reveal them to be children of God. Now, I want to tell you just quickly uh, what those marks are. First of all, uh, if you have them, you can rest assured that you are a child of God. If these four marks are missing, then you need to come to Jesus and be saved. Here are the marks. First of all, the birthmark. Every true child of God has experienced the new birth. There was a moment in time when they saw their sins and they understood that they were condemned in the eyes of God. And at that moment, they looked away by faith to the Lord Jesus. They accepted his death as a payment for their sins. They believed in him as the risen Lord and they were saved. And that's the essence of the new birth. A lost sinner becomes a child of God and a new creature in Christ. There's the birthmark. Next, there's the bookmark. Every true child of God is a person of the book. Talking about this book right here, the Bible. Every person who is a child of God is going to want to please their heavenly father. And they have discovered that what pleases him is found in here. And so they have a hunger for God's word. Next, there's the knee mark, the birthmark, the bookmark, the knee mark. The born again person is one who prays. They understand that prayer is their connection with their heavenly father. And then finally, there's the collar mark, the collar mark. Do you remember the old whisk commercial? Whenever the woman lifts up the thing and you hear a ring around the collar. And the implication is, is that rings on the collar because somebody's been working hard. So there is the collar mark. Ring around the collar indicates hard work. The person who had a ring around the collar had sweated so much their clothes were stained. The true believer will be identified by his works. They will be different. Their good works will be even different than the good works of uh, someone else that's doing good that's not a believer. Uh, the reason why they do their good works can become clear. Many times they're doing their good works. Jesus makes it clear to be honored by men to be loud and said, oh, look what they did. And to get attaboys and pats on the back instead of just getting a smile from their heavenly father. 
There's a difference, isn't there? So the question are, do you possess these marks of faith? Do you possess the birthmark, the knee mark, the collar mark, and the bookmark? Do you possess those marks? If so, you're in the family of God. If not, you can become a part of the family of God just by humbling yourself before Him and receiving Him as your Savior and your Lord. If you haven't done so, I urge you to do so this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.